Hello and welcome to the first Kids Media Club podcast. Each episode will be delving into a different topic related to kids media. I'm Andy Williams and I'm a producer, director and run the company Vamanos Creative and I've worked in kids and family entertainment for ooh, over 20 years. And my fantastic co-host is Joe Redfern. Hello, welcome. I'm Joe. Uh, I'm global brand director at Sutiki, which is a kids independent production company. And like Andy, I have spent far too many years in and amongst the world of kids media. And what I love about it is the fact that it's a rather fast moving, ever changing place, which means very often we're running to keep up. Uh, and hence today we're going to talk about the metaverse, which is a word that is very current, uh, being banded around a lot with regards to kids media at the moment, but is a concept that many of us might struggle to get our heads around. So today we are looking forward to discussing this concept of the metaverse with our guests. Now, before we get to them, Andy, what does the metaverse mean to you? Do you know much about it? Uh, I don't really know very much about the metaverse. I guess when I think about the metaverse, I think of a platform like Fortnite, almost a space in which kids can um, do lots of things. It becomes its own kind of immersive environment. Um, but that's about the limit of my my handle on it. How about you? What's kind of your feeling about the metaverse? Yeah, it's it's similar. I think the more I learn about it, the more it does excite me as a place, um, maybe also scares me a little too, but less about the individual platforms or the games. And you mentioned Fortnite. There's also Roblox, which is a hugely immersive space online. But for me, I think uh, the metaverse is a little bit more amorphous than that. And actually it's beginning to bleed into kids' real lives. They don't have a separate persona online to the one that they have in real life. Actually, they see it as being fluid. Their lives and their behaviors span in real life and online now. So for me, that's where the metaverse begins to come uh, become really interesting because it's a pretty immersive way that kids live their lives. They can socialize online. They can learn online. They can go and watch a concert. Travis Scott very famously played a gig within Fortnite. They communicate, they hang out, they socialize. They even personalize their avatars. And then we get into, um, do you, uh, can you buy better skins and better clothing for your online persona? So there are, are risks there that I'm sure we'll get into later, but it's certainly an area the metaverse is uh, an area of huge opportunity for content creators and brands who are beginning to recognize that and hop onto it. So that in turn breeds the question about our level of responsibility in this space. So as we meet our guests, I'm looking forward to finding much more about it and hopefully you will too. So we're joined today by David Kleeman and Andy Douthwaite of Dubbit, and we are going to be talking all about this concept of the metaverse. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for having us. You're most welcome. Um, David, do you want to say a quick hello and give us an intro, and then you too, please, Andy? Hi, I'm David Kleeman. I'm the Senior Vice President of Global Trends for Dubbit, and I'm also the North America office being based in Washington, D.C., where the rest of the company is in Leeds. I've been in the children's media business for about 35 years, so since the time when it was just a couple channels of television. And I'm Andy Dalthwaite. I'm the Vice President of Roblox at Dubbit Limited. I um, 
I'm involved across all of the roadblocks initiatives, including um, any new business we bring in for building, um, a lot of our data stuff and uh, our new initiative called the Metaverse Gaming League. Brilliant. Okay, so David, the Metaverse. What on earth is the Metaverse? Um, we know a little bit about it and it's certainly an, something that exists online, but many of us don't actually know what that means in terms of kids' lives and their behaviours. So. Could you bring it to life with us, uh, for us, please, with some examples? Uh, I think Dublin looks at it as being an immersive, global, always-on uh, space where you can do many, many different things. So where you can play games, you can build games, you can uh, watch video, you can shop, you can learn, uh, you can socialize with your friends, you can communicate with other people, you can meet new people. Uh, so it, it really is sort of rolling all the different functions of uh, multiple internet sites into one immersive function. And you can imagine it as kind of a huge either shopping mall or uh, amusement park. We have nothing right now that I would call a full metaverse, but I would say that Roblox is probably the closest thing we have to, to I guess you'd call it a proto metaverse in that Young people in particular go there for all kinds of different reasons. Some kids play one single game over and over and over. Some kids play many different games. Kids, uh, those kids probably change games a couple times a week. There are those who go in there to build a game because they have an idea that they want to make. There are those who just go in and hang out in the, the waiting rooms and uh, socialize with their friends there. Uh, there are places where you can actually play a game. There are places where you just have an experience. You wander through uh, through a setting and, and see what's what's there and see who's there along with you. Minecraft and Fortnite each have kind of elements of, of a metaverse as well in that you can do these multiple different things and that, that uh, kids come to them with different motivations. I think that's one of the, the aspects of the metaverse is, is whatever is driving you at the moment, you can find a way to express it within, within that space. We're at a point now where, uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, the term transmedia, it came to mean pretty much anything that anyone wanted it to mean. It, it, it got very uh, ill-defined. It, it's sort of everything from, I have this multi-platform uh, universe of, of different things going on to, oh yeah, I've got a website. Uh, so I think we have a chance now to really define the metaverse and, and avoid that problem of transmedia where it means anything you want it to. That's fascinating. I mean, one of the things you touched upon there was um, about kids, and that's the the whole kind of focus and theme of the podcast is particularly about kids uh, media. Can you talk about how kids in particular might kind of benefit from the growth of the metaverse and what they can do there that they might not be able to do in real life? I think one of the benefits is that it makes absolute sense to kids. Uh, to, for children who've grown up in the mobile, the mobile world, they don't quite understand why, you know, if I if I buy a skin in uh, Fortnite, why doesn't it follow me to Roblox? Why can't I have access to that same? Uh, outfit or why can't I have access to the same tools? Why do I have to close out of one thing and go to another before I can play in a different game? Why do I have to pay multiple times to download all these different games? Why can't I just be in one world where all these things exist and I can I can migrate among them? 
I sometimes talk about the way that you migrate now across different platforms as being like someone handed you a paper roadmap and said, okay, find your way from here to here and along the way, figure out the best places to have lunch and go shopping. Whereas in the metaverse, there are going to be uh, sort of a, an organization and intelligence to it in that it will more like Google Maps will help uh, guide you from place to place. And Andy, in Roblox, you you clearly spend a lot of your time looking at trends within Roblox. What kind of things have you seen emerging in recent months on Roblox in the kinds of things that kids are doing there that might be different to what we might expect? Well, yeah, there's a lot of uh, playing out real life scenarios in Roblox. You know, there's a reason why there's, you know, all the role playing games are really popular, like Adopt Me and, and things like that. And I think what I find really interesting is is this, yeah, this element of wanting to do kind of real life jobs in Roblox. So there's a lot of games based around, you know, as I said, adopting pets, um, building a house, um, working at a pizza place, things like that, that I find really interesting, not, not just because they're popular, but because there's a lot of games being built on that as well. Um, I mean, in terms of recent months, there's been some new, new genres and new game styles coming through, um, a lot of anime. A lot of anime style games have become really popular. And um, I think in terms of actually how they use Roblox, the thing that's interested me the most is how we're seeing more um, more games be created within those worlds that aren't necessarily what the intended use is. It's, it's, it's kids making their own fun of the games and making their own, their own games out of it. And then with that, we're almost seeing a, another level of content on YouTube where we're seeing content creators making shows about the games, the role-playing games themselves and acting out these scenarios in the games, which I find really interesting. Um, and then, you know, just, just to, um, just to look at some of the actual really popular games, I think welcome to Bloxburg is one that's, that's paid for and, and has been popular for some time now, but some of the new ones coming through are more, more like um, there's, there's, a, there's a few horror games, there's a few kind of hide and seek and, there's probably, I would say, six to ten really popular genres, including things like hobbies, which which are the standout ones that everyone kind of notices. You've got the role playing, um, and then you've got more of the the kind of hide and seek or um, escape games as well. Um, but generally, we're seeing more we're seeing more events now as well on Roblox. We're seeing more, you know, obviously some brands getting involved, but also just Roblox music events that they're really pushing heavily. There's a lot of, um, you know, off the back of the Lil Nas X concert, we're seeing a lot of a lot of music events or, or fashion events mixed in with the games as well, because after all, Roblox was launched as a games platform. I think something that uh, that Andy said in there really illustrates well uh, the point that I was making right before that, which is that uh, the platforms are starting to cross with each other and kids naturally want to use multiple platforms. So we, as an example of, of where he was talking about YouTube videos emerging, uh, Dubbit created a, a small Roblox experience for a brand that was just about to launch uh, as a television program with a special. And we just put it up quietly and people just did a little bit of advertising around it. First of all, got massive response to it, uh, tens of thousands of kids playing in this space. But because we hadn't gone out with a big sort of release about here's what this is, kids started looking at it and going, wait, what is that? What? I've never seen these characters before. I've never seen a Roblox experience like this before and making videos about it. So they themselves created the jump from Roblox to YouTube. So what I kind of find difficult to grapple with is we have a lot of 
um, brands and IP like the Marvel Comics Universe or kind of Disney. Uh, and it's tr I sometimes struggle with how those brands are going to exist within the metaverse because they're all quite territorial about their brand assets, understandably. Um, and do you think there's a space for them, for those brands to kind of move across different platforms in different spaces where it's not controlled by the brand in the same way? I think that's one of the big questions that we have going forward is, is how much brands, especially the big brands, but even little ones as well, will give up a little bit of control in order to create this space where kids feel naturally empowered to do the things that they want to do. We work with a, a model at Dubbuk that we call um, Fanatomy, the anatomy of a fan. And it starts with, you know, if you start with a casual fan who likes to watch your television program, let's say, and they get back, they, they communicate with you, whether it's through social media or something like that and say, you know, what would be really great in, in this, uh, in this program, if X, Y, and Z, you have a choice at that point of whether to say, no, I don't want to do that. doesn't fit my vision of it or to, or to somehow acknowledge, and, you know, I'm not talking about a single fan, but if, if lots of fans start telling you, this is a direction we'd like to see it go. Or do I, do I respond to that? Do I say, oh, that's a really interesting thing. And it, it becomes like a tennis game of you put out what you believe in your fans bring back what, what they uh, see in it. And the more you respond, the more invested in your brand they feel, the more a, a, a part of the universe they feel. And so they'll start talking to their friends about it and say, hey, this is, this is really responsive. This is really listening to its fans. And you deepen their relationship, but you also bring new people into the game. You know, and again, I go back to what's natural to kids. When a child wakes up in the morning, they may put on their Marvel underoos and their, uh, you know, Premier League uh, jersey or kit. Um, they don't think about, oh, well, I, I can't wear, uh, wear those two things together because they're from separate uh, brands. So I think it... it Hooves brands really to, to think carefully about what they can do in this space and how much space to give. We talk sometimes about the fact that there are 1,700 Lego games in Roblox, not one of them created by Lego. Lego, for the moment at least, has made the decision, okay, we're, we're not going to you know, send cease and desist orders to these 12-year-olds who are making Lego games. We're going to let this go. We're going to watch for anything that's a real violation of our brand principles. But by and large, we're going to say this means our fans love us. They want to they want to make story around us. That's great. And do you think uh, are there? That sounds like quite a smart decision on Lego's part. There are other brands that that you feel are kind of taking that kind of intelligent, sort of responsive attitude to to the way their brands are used. Andy may have a better sense of, of who else is doing that, but uh, you know, I, th I think everybody is, it, it's so early, everyone's kind of taking baby steps with it right now. I mean, I'd say Fortnite is a good example where you really do see that example that I gave of, of you can get Marvel skins or tools or weapons, you can get uh, uh, Premier League has, has kit in there as well, uh, multiple other brands where, where you, can, you can be who you want to be. That's great. Yeah, there are there are um, there are an incredible amount of unofficial user-generated games on Roblox. You know, there's 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 thousands of WWE games as well. 
And as David says, there's, there's, there's different ways of looking at it. Either you embrace the fact that there's a community on Roblox that's, that's enjoying playing with your brand and there's lots of demand for, um, you know, building these experiences based on it. Or, you know, you do what they did with, for example, Pokemon, where they, they sent a decent cease and desist and, and they got it taken down and you can't even search for that game anymore. Um, the same goes for Peppa Pig. Um, there's certain brands that will, will outright remove it from the platform, but it's, it's, it's very rare from what I've seen. I think most brands are aware or becoming more aware, probably because we keep, <laughs> keep shouting about it, that there's lots of unofficial games on there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's two ways, you know, you embrace it and maybe you create some of your own models and assets and make them available to the, the, the children on Roblox and, and actually encourage that, that content generation, you know, or you, or you, or you build your own and you, and you build something else to, to complement these other games and experiences. But I think it's, it's probably not advisable to look at all those games and think, ah, right, I need to, you know, I need to, I need to try and compete with all this because at the end of the day, there's so much content on, on Roblox. It's a user generated platform. You, you need to embrace the community element of it. Mm. Andy, I just want to, to delve into a brand that recently did something officially on Roblox. Uh, and, and given we've spoken about how democratic it is, how responsive, how most of the content is unofficial and user generated. However, brands have cottoned on to the fact that they can get huge access to kids to the huge numbers of people on Roblox. And Gucci is one of those that has done it in an official capacity recently. And they launched their Gucci garden in Roblox, which looked beautiful, uh, was a really neat piece of marketing from them, but immediately drew criticism because of its monetization of their designs. Um, and, and it got me thinking about this potential to create digital inequality. So where you, where you have haves and have nots in the real world, kids, grown-ups who can both afford or not afford Gucci designs. That was then replicated within Roblox. So what are the pitfalls that brands need to be aware of when moving into the metaverse or into Roblox, bearing in mind that about 70% of the users on there are below the age of 16? Mm. Yeah, no, I, th I think there's, there certainly was some, some, I guess, controversy or criticisms around the, the Gucci one, but I, I, I think... I think a lot of the criticism came from what the experience was and, and the way they went uh, onto Roblox as a platform because they're not the first brand to launch a digital item. You know, football clubs like Liverpool and Barcelona have launched kits. Um, granted, they were they were free, but they were they were doing an exercise uh, to get the content on there. Um, other brands have as well. Uh, I think obviously the main difference here is that they they sold the items and sold a lot of the items. I think they sold. 2.8 million dollars uh, worth of items um, in a short period of time. So yeah, I, I think I think the point is that, that there were already expensive items on Roblox before that were massively overpriced. So if we talk about you know digital inequality, it, you know a, a brand going on there and launching a really expensive item, I think I think there's, that's already happening in terms of there being you know, a, a items that are selling for equivalent of, of hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, um, and I do think part of it was, was like I said, that the experience was um, was was seen as seen as dull or or it was lacking in some gameplay. Um, I think launching an experience just to sell items was what was seen through quite quickly by the kids on Roblox. I think you know they're, they're pretty smart, pretty switched on. A lot of them have created their own experiences. So I, th I think there was a little bit of disappointment that it wasn't more of a interactive experience. But as I say, they're not the first person to sell items on on, on Roblox and. Um, if you're if you're going to let uh, content creators set their own prices, then there'll always be things that are really expensive and things that are less so. Um, 
the interesting thing I find with it, with 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 Gucci launching on it is that it, is it even going to be, you know, in in the metaverse, is is Gucci even going to be a popular brand? You know, there's 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 people now creating their own digital first brands on you know on platforms like Roblox and and it's actually encouraging younger people to start thinking about fashion because I think fashion is going to be something that's really big in the metaverse as well. Uh, but the main thing on that experience is that, you know, if you compare it to something like a Lil Nas X concert where you've got an event, you've got the, the merchandise being sold, but you've also got some gameplay as well. So I think that's that's part of it. I mean, generally, I think brands need to think about when, you know, when they move into the metaverse, what, what their goal is. And it's a big part of what we do in terms of advising people. Um, the, the, the pitfalls, I'd say the, sort of the main misunderstanding is is thinking that, it's it's just something where I can just create uh, a one-off game and launch it on Roblox, and that'll be that. Um, as a brand, I think you need to have some serious thought into what, you, as I said, what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it. Um, games need to be updated over time; they need to be kept fresh. These aren't just um, it, it's not just a one-off thing. You have to keep people coming back and interacting with it, and. That's just a, a kind of a, I guess, from doing that, it, it also feeds into the fact that you need to understand the community and, and the fact that Roblox is a community and getting them on side. You've seen it with the Gucci thing. If, if the community rejects it, it's pretty damning. Um, and for whatever reasons that they do reject it, you need to engage with them and speak to them. And, and I think, I think to be fair, Gucci did do that because they hired a lot of developers from the community to create some of the assets. So they, they did engage with that. But it's just really important when you're launching something, and it's it's one of the things we put at the forefront of everything we do with 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 whether it's launching a game or you know like this new thing I mentioned at the start, this this metaverse gaming league. We 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 build something like that with the community heavily involved because they're the ones that have been on the platform for 10, 15 years, or, or possibly you know in some cases longer. And you have to, under, to understand it. It's, it's almost like it's intangible. It's difficult to learn. You have to have grown up on it. So we've built an advisory board where we constantly asking and engaging with them and finding out, you know, what's fun because, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of how we started as a company, dub it. We were, we were made by kids and it's all about kids making things that kids want, not what a bunch of old people want, basically. Two related things about what uh, what Andy was just saying. One, one is, you know, brands have always had different strategies about who they want as their audience. There are the brands that really want everyone in the world to recognize and and have a part in it. Uh, you know, they want the biggest audience possible. And there are the brands that want to say, look, we're we're exclusive. Uh, you know, Gucci certainly would be one of those that that says maybe this isn't for everyone, and and we're going to charge high prices just to to reflect that. As we move toward, you know, as I said, there's no real full metaverse right now. As we move toward a more complete metaverse, there will be neighborhoods essentially, that and and that applies to kids as well. There will be places that are kid friendly, and there will certainly be places, as with every technology development there's been so far, there will be places that are not right for kids. And one of the critical things right now that we need to be thinking about is how to make distinctions between those and how to keep kids safe so that they don't wander into the wrong neighborhoods or or they can't, so that they're blocked from things that are, are age inappropriate. That's really fascinating and kind of leads me on to the question I wanted to ask you, David, which was, I think the Gucci thing or the discussion around it is a great example of how kids and particularly kind of fans of the metaverse can sniff out people that are kind of 
uh, imposters in a way or some, somebody that's trying something and maybe um, doesn't have a lot of knowledge and sensitivity about the space in which they're operating in. For creators that are interested in producing stuff within the metaverse, are there any kind of guidelines or rules or things to keep in mind to kind of help them create something that's kind of equitable and diverse and a sort of kind space within that within that context? I would say that, that, you know, I think Andy will have good answers to this as well, but I would say that you really want to reflect what your stories and characters are about. You want to integrate them naturally into, figure out how to turn those characters into, into gameplay. Uh, the more you push marketing and merchandising, the harder kids will push back against it. They recognize when they're being sold to. So if, if you have a, a brand or a, a Roblox experience that's essentially a, a commercial and they don't get to do anything fun, as, as Andy was saying with, with Gucci, or uh, it's clear that the, there's a misalignment between what you think is fun and what they think is fun in, just in order to get them to play with your, your merchandise, your brand you know, your, your items uh they they are going to pretty much reject that andy what would you say what would your tips be for uh content creators or brands that are debating whether they should move into the metaverse yeah i mean i mean additionally to, to what yeah, david said is is important to, to have a plan and, and not just to think i can just launch something and, and as, I, as i said just launch a one-off game and think oh, i've got my brand on there therefore i'm going to I'm going to raise awareness and it's going to work. You need to, you need to actually have a plan of, of, of where it fits in with your brand and, and whether it's like, a, you know, an animation or a toy or whatever, you, you need to outline what your goals are from the start. You know, um, I, I think, I think part of the thing we tend to go through is, is when we're sort of modeling this stuff out with brands is, is figuring out, you know, a, a timeline of, of what you're going to launch first, because you want to start with something small, get the community playing it, get feedback and then, and then iterate and, and build on that. I think for, for some brands that haven't obviously launched a game on Roblox or maybe maybe haven't haven't launched a game in, in in general, it's understanding that it's best to launch something small as a test. And there's no problem doing that on Roblox. There's no problem launching a beta version and for it to be in beta for forever, you know, for for constant because you're going to encourage people coming back and engaging with that brand if you're honest and if you you put something small out. And then it, it just the, the other the other kind of tick boxes are as I said you know getting feedback from the community engaging with that and and just looking at looking at what's happening on Roblox but not just going all oh, right this is popular we have to do this just just constantly looking at the trends of what's happening you know there's there's this Roblox as a platform is growing very fast because um, we, we've seen from the the IPO last you know this at this top of the year there's lots of new improvements and things added for example one of the games we were tracking. At the back end of last year, I think it had around when we, when we started tracking on our on our um, on our data, it had a few thousand plays, and, and we, we saw it was growing rapidly. They introduced codes, which is a system of just redeeming codes from influencers for um, the in-game currency that you could then spend. But I'm not saying that's the reason it, it massively, but it was one of the factors, and it and it's now got over a billion plays in in under six months. Um, so looking at the trends and what's happening on Roblox is really important. And you can do that from tracking the popular games, but you also need to do that, you know, in a qualitative sense from engaging and actually speaking to the Roblox community and finding out what's happening. Uh, the, uh, it just occurs to me that the best thing that brands can do is listen to the audience once they move into it. It's, it's a dynamic 
relationship in that you have to listen and then evolve accordingly. I think anyone who's anyone who's built a, a game or app previously knows that the difference between these things and television is once you've committed something to video, it's there, it's done, it's finished. With a game, an app, a robot, you're constantly changing. You're constantly able to update in response to uh, what people want to do. That's great. I and mean, that brings me on to kind of our final question in a way, which was, um, if a creator wanted to launch an IP within the metaverse, um, and this is a question for both of you, uh, what do you think the key considerations and advantages of doing that are over launching it on a broadcast channel or more kind of traditional media? I'd say to start with, um, you know, obviously it's where the kids are, it's where the kids hang out now. So it, you, you're going to get access to a much broader audience and, and not just an audience that's there, but an audience that's open to trying new things and new products, new IPs. The reason for that is that Roblox is set up perfectly for trying lots of different apps. You know, it's, it's not like you're, it's not like you're launching something on the app store as a game where you have to, um, you know, advertise it. You have to rely on the, on the child asking for a permission to enter a password because Roblox curates all the content and it's, and it's, and it's kids safe. Once the child is registered with Roblox and has the app, they can access lots of different games and, and they end up playing, you know, 20 different games, um, on average every month, you know, so that they're, they're constantly trying different games. Um, so I think that's one of the, one of the reasons why, you know, as, as a positive, the other thing obviously is cost, you know, in terms of launching a Roblox game versus, um, you know, for example, launching a TV animation to get a new IP out there. Um, the cost is obviously lower. Um, it's, it's, it gives you the chance to test things more easily. And I think, uh, you know, as we've, as we've kind of alluded to the, the ability to update and change things much more, much more quickly and, and more nimbly. So, um, there's things like that and being able to look at other brands as well, you know, that might be similar to your IP, um, seeing other brands, whether they've got an unofficial presence on Roblox will tell you if it might make sense for your brand. If there's lots of, lots of games that are, are similar to your brand that you're going to launch, then it'll give you an idea of maybe, maybe what game to go with or, or something similar to that. So there's a, there's a few, few different indicators, I think, that you can find and a lot of information you'll get back from launching something on, on Roblox or in the metaverse, um, you know, as it, as it, as it is realized and, and other platforms come to the fore. But I think right now there's, there's a mixture of cost and the fact it's where the kids are. I think Andy's hit on, on most of it. I think the only things I'd add are we look often at the development cycle for uh, television programming, and it could be three to five years to get a new animated or live action uh, series up on the air. And a good chunk of that may be doing the development work to get it to the point where you go to the gatekeepers and say, okay, which of you is interested in this? Which you wants to pay pay for this the you are the gatekeeper in uh, in the metaverse in in some you know the expressions that we have out there now uh that if you want to put a game up on roblox you you put it up there you see how people respond and and you move from there i did a, a panel a couple of years ago where we had someone from the traditional tv world and we had a youtuber and talking about their development cycle and that the traditional tv person talked about that three-year cycle that they would go through and all the different stages of it the youtube person just looked at them like they were nuts and said i wake up in the morning i think i'm going to do a cooking show today i've got it on you know I, I go into my studio at home or i go down to the youtube studios when they had those and and uh 
by noon, I've got it up. And by five o'clock, I've got the analytics that says, oh, never do a cooking show again. Your fans didn't like it. Uh, and tomorrow I'll do something different. It's, it's similar in the emerging metaverse is that you put something out there, you try it, you listen to your fans and you instantly can respond. Perfect. That's a great, um, that's a great insight to, to end the discussion on. Um, it's been really good to have both of you here. So thanks very much for, for your time. Great pleasure. Thanks for having us. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. And thank you, David. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate this episode and subscribe to the series. It would be enormously appreciated. And thank you very much for listening. We really hope that you tune into the next episode. Bye.